Friendship is a mirror to presence and a testament to forgiveness. Friendship not only helps us see ourselves through another's eyes, but can be sustained over the years only with someone who has repeatedly forgiven us for our trespasses, as we must find it in ourselves to forgive them in turn. A friend knows our difficulties and shadows and remains in sight, a companion to our vulnerabilities more than our triumphs, when we are under the strange illusion that we do not need them. An undercurrent of real friendship is a blessing, exactly because its elemental form is rediscovered again and again through understanding and mercy. This is episode 6 of Umoya on African Spirituality, hosted by me, Atambila Masola, and her friend, Melissa Tandapongela. The whole concept of the show is about reigniting and understanding African spirituality in the 21st century. We seek to walk this journey with young and elderly people alike, where we become a nexus whereby Singabandu we can inquire together. We've identified people from different fields to talk about how spirituality feeds into their daily lives, be they musicians, healers, teachers, scientists, artists, and activists. The spirituality of friendship is at the very core of our humanity, Singabandu, because of the relationships we build which make us more human. In this episode, we explore friendship through the lens of the work we've done in creating this podcast. This episode came out of a need to pause and reflect on how we think the podcast is going. And in that process, it occurred to us to interview each other. To me, this episode is a window into the intimate spaces that help shape our public interactions. It's an attempt at vulnerability as a gateway to spirituality. In this rather new kind of conversation, join us as we apply our questions to the most difficult subjects, ourselves. I love your dress. Thank you. I wanted to look really cute today. It's happening. Thanks. And my favorite scarf. It's like the most proper silk raw scarf I have in my life. It's that most adult thing I have. And your sheer black stockings. <laughs> she would be so proud of this outfit, actually. So I'm going, guys, for those who can't see, I'm going to mustard, which is one of my favorite colors. It's a mustard shirt dress that goes all the way below the knees and it's got an A-line um, silhouette <laughs> below the knees. No, and there's one angle plates. It's long sleeve. It is like winter is here, but... It's the color, it mega cool in a beautiful way. And she just, I mean, she, so you've actually really, that's been the most surprising thing about our friendship is seeing your style, which I've never, be, I've never really thought of you as a fashion girl. Really? But you are a fashion girl. Like you, pre- slowly, every week you're like, slowly. Yeah. I mean, also, I've got you in my life because every time I see him, I'm like, you're so good. Like your hairstyle today looks amazing. Yeah, I did my hair. I, I braided it for the first time after how long? Maybe it's two, been, three years? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It looks so cool. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah. What's the show about? What are your intentions for the show? Today, we, we want to kind of um, turn our gaze towards friendship and specifically our friendship and speak about the spirit of friendship and the spirituality of friendship. And... My intention is very simple. It, it is to become vulnerable in front of you in this container that we're in, this recording booth, um, which I, is something I find very difficult because our, in our friendship, while it crosses um, those, those boundaries um, of emotionality, we are quite intellectual people. We mm. have, uh, it's rooted in like intellectual discussions and conceptual approaches to different things. Um, and so I, I want to see how we segue into um, our hearts, which is, it's not easy for me to disrobe in front of someone else. Not, not physically, but like, mm. you know, to kind of open up. So mm. that's, I just want to be vulnerable. Wow, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, yeah, I think something's happened. Like this podcast has really led this friendship in a different direction. Um, and I love the fact that this podcast is born out of a friendship. Mm. So for me, it's I guess to explore where we are on this journey, um, the journey together and this journey of friendship. Um, 
because I think that's still there's still like a long road ahead, like that song by Shade. So it's nice to kind of mark this moment as well and to also just pat ourselves on the back like we actually did it. Yeah. We said we were going to do something and yeah. we did it. Yeah. And now we're five episodes in and this is the sixth one. So for me, it's an exploratory conversation about us and our work. Tell me where you got your name from. This wonderful name, Elugu Fanele. Oh my gosh. So the story, well, I mean, there's, there's, I don't know the story story, but I know the story is that my dad named me. Mm-hmm. My dad was Tia Sobatato, actually. And I've always had a difficult relationship with my name because I'm Kale Gang. And so it took me a while. In fact, at some point when I was in high school, I told, I told my mother I was going to change my name. To and what? she delayed getting me to Home Affairs to go get an ID because I was like, I can't remember. I said, Home Affairs. You're going to ID. So I'm not even drinking this bala with a temporary ID because my mother just stalled and stalled and stalled because she knew if I went to Home Affairs to get my ID, I'd change my name. Why? Because it makes sense. And then I, and then I told her, 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 Wow. So, <laughs> of course. Wow. I had it all planned and my mother was crestfallen. So... She just kind of delayed that. But I had a difficult relationship with my man because my, both my sisters, my sister's and then there's me, and then it took a friend of mine, to help me understand and appreciate my name. She's like, you, because I was telling her about my whole plan of home affairs. She's like, you, Every time I talk to people, I have to explain my name. She's like, and that's the way it should be. And she was like, That means more still coming. And he sentenced in relation to your sister. So that's the story is that, you know, my dad named all three of us and all our names are related. And I guess their stories are on there because I'm 75. Um, so my parents wanted more kids. My mom wanted more kids. She's like, And she got what she asked for. And then... There's a big gap mm-hmm. um, which is, there's a story there. And so and I think of her as like the long awaited for baby. Everyone was <laughs> so excited by the time she came along. Then I'm the oops baby because she's 85 October, I'm February 87 and I was a prem. So actually I probably should have been a few months down the line. Yeah. Um, so I was an unexpected baby. And so atambile amatrina gogosnigenyindombazan. So it's a whole sentence and it's a whole thing that you know amatrina have gifted us. And I've never met baby. another one. So funny story. Recently, someone on Facebook found me, and we were laughing about the fact that we have the same name. I was like, you, you, uh, "Chances are you're born after me because Adeko Abandu, and she was born in the 90s. I think I was like, "Ah, oh, someone must have heard my name." And then Baktia. And then there's another baby. Um, one of my lecturers. Uh, Roads, while I was studying there, and he asked me if he could name Mdang. So there's a little half Italian, half Tosa boy with my name. Mm. I love it. I know. I love it. So and I, I like the concept that the thing that it represents as well this idea of your ancestors are kind, are generous, have a soft heart. Um, they agree, essentially. Mm. It's an agreement almost. Mm. Ne? I think so. I mean, I think I'm still exploring it because I'm still exploring my relationship with Amatrina, mm-hmm. um, which has been obviously a long story. But um, yeah, like my, my dad wrote me a letter for my birthday and he signed at the end, Agutrina Amatrina. Which feels I like cannot wait to meet your dad. Every time you talk Everyone about him, I just to meet want to tear dad. up because he just seems like this, the most gentle, he is. sincere, he loving. Is. He can't help it. He can't help it. He just, he's so in love with these girls. He really I is. really, I feel it. Every time you speak about him, I do feel <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, and, and I guess having a name that um, I was named by him makes it extra special because of the journey that he and I have also had. So tell us about your name. Milisutando. Milmili. Milmili, I remember that. <laughs> Milmili. At home, they, at home, they call me Milmili Krabentlak and Tlak. Hi, man. And um, I've collected many nicknames along the way. Um, most recently, my colleagues at the Mail and Guardian, the, the youth league at the Mail and Guardian, <laughs> call me Militia. Ayman! <laughs> like, after Felicia Mabuza Sato. <laughs> because they'd always go to my office and I'd always be giving them advice and having long conversations with them. So, but in Militia, um, 
Yeah, this this name. My my mother says that they named me when I was a few days old, after we've left the hospital, and uti elikama wa walifumana okanywanyo to find this name, and they they didn't they couldn't figure it out, and so she was reading a a a, a verse in the Bible, Babylonia's closer, that that kind of illustrated this idea of something that makes a love stronger. And so she says that they decided on this name Milisutando because my birth made their love, my mom and my dad's love, stronger. It kind of strengthened their bond. Um, but then, of course, I can also use it in the sense of it literally means make love stand. Um, to be rooted. It, to be rooted mm. in it and to kind of represent it and to be it. Um, in fact, so it's, wow. it's make love and peace mm. stand or represent that everywhere you go. And, um, of course, when you're a child, you don't really, you know, I didn't really use the Sutando, um, it was just Melissa at home, they called me Melissa. And then, um, when we got to the white schools, it became Melissa, Melissa Bongela. I remember that too. I was so confused. Um, and I mean, I was confused, but there's nothing you can do in mm. those cases when somebody just decides they're going to call you Melissa. And so my resistance against this Melissa name was to then give myself a proper English name um, or another English name of my of my choice. And I kind of had the secret name, Kelly, which I wrote in my diary. I kind of saw myself as a Kelly, which is a whole other episode, mm -hmm. this thing of kind of distancing yourself or, you know, going away from who you are. And... I mean, it was short-lived, and I only knew that used that name. And when I got to varsity, I was like, I'm not being called Melissa. I'm just going to be Millie. Millie, it's approachable, it's easy, it's simple, um, and it helped me birth a, a version of my personality. And then only recently, maybe I'd say in the last three years, have I become Millisutando, and I've walked into that direction, which is something that... Um, it's it's everywhere in in what I tried to, how I try to live my life is to really foreground it with this idea of what is love. Mm. don't know Tando to ask the question. I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm very much it's pulling me by the nose. This this notion of mm. entering a space, entering an idea, entering a discussion, entering a relationship, entering a friendship, entering a piece of work with this notion of trying to excavate and search for what is love, and then to become that thing. Mm. And of course, the work is very rooted in, you know, this post-apartheid narrative. Um, we, we, are, we are the generation that has to figure out what do we do with everything we've inherited mm. from our collective ancestors and what they decided or what they did to each other. How are we, you know, the, the, the people who have now been handed that. And, and so I use it very much to help me make decisions on how to think about the politics, how to think about poverty, how to think about hunger, how to think about rape, how to think about sex, how to think about sexual violence, how to think about race. Uh, it's really helping me, actually. And so um, I will be happy to walk this route for the next 40 years. And it happened at the right time. I think mm -hmm. I couldn't, when I was 25, it wasn't right. When I was 30, it wasn't right. When I was 18, it wasn't right. Linda um, Bayoktia, that's the point of it, I think. I can never ask what's my purpose in the world. It was given to me the day I was, you know, when I was named. Mm. Go and be this thing. Go and do this thing in the world. And so whatever I do now kind of falls under that instruction. Mm. Yeah. Which sounds like a whole, I mean, it leads nicely into the next question. Sounds like a whole kind of worldview. Mm -hmm. And so how do you live that out as a spiritual bring? Like what's your spiritual practice that allows you to be this person? Because, I mean, you got the hardest instruction, let's just be honest. I know, in this country, hey, mm -hmm. on, on the most fertile ground for hatred, mm -hmm. proven, systemized, um, you know. Yeah, well, the first thing I had to do was to was to figure out who I am, mm. you know, um, in the context, in the midst of the spaces that uh, I'm in, in, in South Africa. And that in and of itself is a spiritual practice, the mm. work of trying to excavate and to dig for And of course, it's identity politics has been the birthplace, exploring identity politics, exploring my gender, exploring my the way my body is shaped exploring the darkness of my skin and my hair it very much began with me exploring my hair and like sitting down in 2014 
um, after a failed attempt to relax my hair, I tried to go relax my hair and a friend of mine was like, when's that any girl? Why are you doing that? And I was like, who the hell are you, dude? Like, why are you telling me what to do with my hair? And after an argument, um, I didn't make it to the salon because I thought, hey, this guy, um, Ingati, there's something that he knows that I don't know. Ingati, there's something that many people know that I don't know. I had never made the connection between hair and identity and race and apartheid. And so my my awakening really did begin at the age of 29 in 2014, where I started to really connect the dots. And so it started with a physical examination of the physical attributes. What does my hair mean? And why do I hate it? I stood in front of the mirror for like an hour that day. And I was like, I actually do hate this hair. I need to first of all admit that I don't like it. Mm. And I do think it's gafarara. That's how I feel about it. And I feel that's like what it's it, called. That's Imagine what we call growing it. up like that. That's, what we, it's, that's just the throwaway term. Exactly. And so I did, I, it, the, it corresponded with how I felt. That word corresponded with how I felt about the hair and how hard it was and how brittle it was and how it was the hardest hair in the world and why did God make us with hair like this and why does everyone else in the entire world have softer hair than the rest of us and it does definitely mean that we are the scum of the earth and I believe that um, you know I'd never said those words but in my heart I walked around with that notion um, kind of unwittingly or unconsciously and that examination of the hair then led to a conscientization of how it has been distorted and disfigured in, you know, global narratives about African people. And um, I, I went on a journey to educate myself, to undo all of that practically. So it started with the hair, then it was about the skin, then it was about the bum and the lips and the shape of my nose and the language and the culture and the history and the religion. And I, as Asanda said in our episode last week, that's land. Mm. I, this has been a journey of trying to fetch myself from the woods of racism and sexism and patriarchy and classism and um, colonialism. Mm. Um, very painful journey, very painful personal private journey where I, I mean, I, I was right about it a lot, but essentially self-work is, is the loneliest work. That's why we don't want to do it. And so uh, it, that, that led to, you know, different knowledge systems about myself. Mm. And eventually um, after I had kind of, tick the boxes, the, the, the typical or proverbial boxes of what it means to kind of be woke or be conscious of, of stuff. But there was a point where I came to realize that um, we can no longer use the same mechanisms for creating solidarity. We can no longer use these physical attributes. It, it's not enough that someone is a feminist. It's not enough that someone um, has natural hair. It's not enough that somebody also likes Ruby Woo and, and a head wrap. It's not enough that somebody has the right politics or they've read the right books. And so the spiritual practice then became a question of who am I? And I have found it in, in this direction of African spirituality. Um, and having, I mean, I, I, when, I would, when I didn't know, I would make up things to put in my shrine, or what they call them, um, this little shrine that I have in my home, which I've had for years. Um, dandy, 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 you know, I was just putting together whatever I thought was relevant. And so this, but the presence, the very presence of it has helped me shape who I am. So mm. next to my bedroom, um, next to my bed, in my bedroom, I have um, a space where I dedicate the space to um, my relationship to God and my relationship to my ancestors and my relationship to the numinous and the spirit world. And there I've got candles and uh, incense, impepo, coins, water, um, uh, teas and leaves and different different kinds of offerings. Uh, so I, I've, I've, it grows as I grow. And there, there is where I go and find myself each morning. Mm. Not every single day, mm. um, but there was a time where I was going twice a day deeply in search of something, trying to connect. And it has given, it has opened up my life completely, opened up my worldview, the way I see myself. It's given me a lot of peace. And so my spiritual practice is Ukupatla. Um, and it's a, it's a, uh, 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 my teacher, Untada Sarote, he, you know, he said I must make the diagram of a, of a triangle mm. where at the top of the triangle is God, on the left is me, on the right is my ancestors. And how do those three entities coexist? And so, yeah, mm, that's, that's beautiful. Sounds like it's been a journey. Yeah, and I, and when I got there, I found you. Oh, yeah. How did how did you arrive at my spiritual practice? Yes. So, I guess 
the current one I have right now, it's maybe to borrow from Sag as well, um, it, is, it feels a bit chaotic. And maybe the word to use is partly chaotic, partly exploratory, which is a very strange place for me to be in. My previous self or my younger self would have said I'm in a difficult space. And, but it's not a difficult space anymore because I know that this is part of the work. So I'm in a very strange season that is leading me towards a practice that is meditative, uh-huh. that is contemplative. Um, and the reason I was fiddling is because um, I found this beautiful app called Centering Prayer. I don't even know how I found it. In fact, it might have something to do with finding a website called something that I've now forgotten with a guy called um, Richard Raw, who's a Saint Franciscan, Franciscan monk. He's my favorite. The He's Center a, for Action and what's Center the R? I, I get the emails every day. Yeah. Like, Center for, let me, so, let, me just, let me pull it up quickly because actually action this and person something. is live. It's so C-A-R. I find, C-A-R, yeah. Mm. So I find that. The Center for Action and Contemplation. Is it? That's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. Um, I find that. And then so I find this app. Um, but obviously it comes off a longer journey of Nkulele mm-hmm. Um And it's been one of the difficult parts of like, what do I do with this thing in church? Um, and I've had a very difficult relationship with church where I eventually left for nine years. But Nkulele Gawin, I did all the things, Sunday school, Diakola off by heart, Owakalesengunane off by heart, that joining guild. Um, and it was while I was in Egildin and moving to university where the schism started happening because I couldn't quite recreate the thing that I'd had in my childhood. Mm. And I went into a flat panic and I chose um, his people. Uh-huh. And I was in his people for three years and I burnt out. Um, I burnt out, but I also saw like, yeah, man, because which was such a saving grace in a way, because you don't have that white gaze while we're doing all the things that we're doing. And so I come into this church because, you know, this is what I found. And these are the people who approached me and had been the most welcoming when you're a young first year student because they used to do this thing during O week. <laughs> Remember that thing? <laughs> no, I don't because I was, I went to the monkey. The all morning, right. The, Whatever so that HP had this thing, and um, first year they but it was a whole program. First year, um, all week, and it caused eruptions when I was on SRC eventually. But this idea of because their thing was like if you get them while they in first year, you know, then you're saving them from all the other stuff because Erodes was the drinking capital and all those things. So. I meet these wonderful people who approach me in the village shop, Kwapigan Bay, and I'm missing home, and they're welcoming, and they're nice, and they invite me to a thing. I go, I meet other people who are equally as bereft as I am, and so I end up staying at that church. And I think the tension was because I couldn't quite find my feet um, at Methsoc, which was the Methodist, Methodist Society, so... You know, and and, sock and Rom- the, all the, the religious denominations had society. So yes. I, I went there, we met Sok, I couldn't find my feet. I went to Guasho, which is one of the oldest churches, Echini. Mm-hmm. Couldn't quite find my feet because there was this weird relationship between Abanbas Echini and Nezjude. And so you go there, you introduce yourself. And at the time was my friend's dad. So they're like, no, Isa, you're going to find your feet. You're going to find people. Couldn't mm-hmm. find my feet. Couldn't kind of find my feet there. And I just gave up. And so I ended up going to his people. Burnt out in third year. Mostly because I, I think this uh, the gaze of whiteness and how I'd just been raised and how to practice this thing called church mm. eventually got to me. So in Daega and Daega for nine years, wow. I stopped going to church for nine years. And I went back again because I've moved to Joburg now and I had this kind of... Again, I found myself in a white space. And I was like, oh, white people, why all up in my grill? Where are black people? And I didn't know. I mean, I have my friends, my friendship groups of a black woman, um, but I still missed the timber. I missed the sound. I missed mm. the, the communal singing. And so I. And that to, special singing, not just that special singing. So I missed that. And so it was for me, I guess, a way of finding home. Uh-huh. And I'm constantly being on this quest of finding home. And for me, my spiritual practice, I'm like being home in my own body, being home in my self. So that's my spiritual practice. And I want to read one of the prayers. So this app, you select a prayer, you select how long you want to meditate for, and you select um, a sound that's going to like introduce you into your. 
um, meditation. And then, so there's a prayer at the beginning and the end. And this is one of my favorite prayers. God of the silence, calm and quiet my soul at the fount of your loving presence. In your silence, replenish me with a force for love, especially for those who are the most demanding. When there is nowhere else to go, inspire me to drop into my heart and find your life-giving grace there, weaving the fabric of human reality into a tapestry of love. Mm. So there's a sense of, you know, where there's silence, there's God, and there's something that keeps me grounded. Um, and so now I'm, I have a little altar. Now I have it. Um, and I guess it comes from the background of, um, there's a beautiful hymn, um, and so coming from that tradition and then quiet time, which was what they called it at his people, but, you know, something meditative. So every day I try, some days I don't. And it's there's something that Ndata already said, it's like, if I don't feel like I'm going to be honest at my altar, I don't go. Exactly. So if, and is all, if, if I know I'm not going to show up honestly and just like, not so much as spew forth my things, but just show up there for the moment, whether it's to speak or to listen. Mm. I don't go. So I don't go every day because there are days I'm just like, oh, demotion. not so much demotion, but I'm just like, I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like being to myself. To go there, to face yourself. To face um, myself. Yeah. So, yeah. So some days in the apartment, well, it kind of starts with the and then the silence and then journaling um, yes. Yes. as a pattern. And sometimes I'm just like, rushing from work just to go and sit there because of the kind of day that I've had. So it's a lot of meditation and a lot of quiet, which I enjoy. Um, yeah, so I guess it's exploratory and just kind of trusting the process more than anything else. I downloaded this book called Consolations. yeah. Um, on Amazon, and it is by the poet and philosopher David White, mm -hmm. who is English and Irish, and who are just his words are just for me took me to another understanding of what poetry is. Mm -hmm. um, I used to think that it's something that I don't like, and in fact, I have fallen absolutely madly in love with um, contemporary poetry. Um, in terms of responding to this notion of being human. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm not going to read the whole thing. So he has this book and it has different um, subjects and he has maybe two, three pages on each subject. And this is what he says about friendship. <laughs> friendship is a mirror to presence and a testament to forgiveness. Mm. Friendship not only helps us see ourselves through another's eyes, but can be sustained over the years only with someone who has repeatedly forgiven us for our trespasses as we must find it in ourselves to forgive them in turn. A friend knows our difficulties and shadows and remains in sight, a companion to our vulnerabilities more than our triumphs, when we are under the strange illusion that we do not need them. An undercurrent of real friendship is a blessing, exactly because its elemental form is rediscovered again and again through understanding and mercy. All friendships of any length are based on a continued mutual forgiveness, Without tolerance and mercy, all friendships die. Hmm. And we haven't really gotten to the point where we have to forgive each other. No, thank Which, God. Thanks no, God. not thank God. Not no, thank God, though. I think because, because I feel like a lot of, a lot of our relationships, no, so the way have, we understand I haven't communicated it to you, but there are days when you're so hard on me. And I'm like, am I going to say something? So I have to forgive you before. So I may not necessarily bring it to you, but I forgive myself internally, actually. You forgive yourself? I forgive myself and I forgive you without even explaining to you why I need to, you should, like, you don't say sorry, I just forgive you. Thank you. <laughs> because. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't, it's not about apologizing. I think it's just my own internal dialogue about, no, forgive that because that's what was happening in that situation. I think we've kind of had some of those conversations. Yeah. 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 It's difficult in modern relationships. Yeah. Because we live on WhatsApp mm. and our friendships primarily exist on digital screens. Yeah. And so it's very, we've, we have a hard time. I mean, humans, I think generally we have a hard time facing ourselves and facing our flaws and facing mm. our mistakes. And so I've had a year of my friends, my, my friends for a long time. People I've known for years and years, you know, it's been a season of being told by my friends. Really? Where I am, 
I could improve. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know that that hasn't happened for us, but I do know that it, it probably is coming mm. as we deepen, as we grow, as we understand each other more. Um, and I'm afraid of that moment, but I also welcome that moment because I know that without those moments of vulnerability and honesty, mm. our relationship won't survive. And I, and I would be absolutely devastated if... Who taught you about friendship? I know you're going to say Ati. Well, I'm getting so it's two people. Upele no Ati. Upele had a friend. Upele is my grandmother. Upele had a friend, Umam Dol. Umam Dol lived up the road from us. I think sea fish. Upele lived down the road, Etunga. And I don't know the story, the full intricacies of their story, but they were two peas in a pod. And so kitchen and you see right right into a room, the, the main room presents. And Mamdala would be sitting in that chair. You can hear her because you are quiet. So I grew up with these two women. Who were always in each other's So that's the treat. And we go to Mamtola and then she'll ask Basele Scram fish. So these there were these two women who did everything together, it seemed. Um and I saw a picture of them when they were much younger. Mm. Um and I think Mamdolo's daughter or granddaughter was the age same age as my aunts as well. So I mean, I, I kind of grew up with this image of you have your girl that's always in your house, in your business. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously the second person is Oati. Um, and Oati and Opel are very similar in a way. So it's interesting that, you know, putting the two of them together. So, yeah, Ati was my first friend. Um, because I struggled making friends at school and cause I was not difficult. I was awkward. Um, I was a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a difficult relationship with the black girls cause then Kumsha great and we left in Tanzania too soon. So those relationships were severed and a lot of the, the black girls, baby, I'm a transport. And transport. So conversation because and all those things. So Ati was by force, by fire. <laughs> she had no choice. In Alom Sila. Um, and I'm still obsessed with everything that she does to this day. She's like my everything. Um, and she teaches me a lot about, gosh, about everything. Everything I know about myself um, is her. Everything wow. that, all the good parts about me are because of her. And she, she did a lot of work of just challenging me. Um, to make peace with myself and just be like, you, this is who you are. I'm not surprised that this is what's happening to you. Um, this is what you need. I mean, I'm, not so much I once made the mistake, but Danding Azuguya erodes at some point because Mama Waikula and my matric here. And I remember calling Ati and saying, Ben Klinga, you know, maybe Mantella Pefort, he said he fought at the time. Well, no, it was after the merger, so yeah, but he fought And I was like, no, Mantella Pefort, I can still do the same courses. And Ati was like, pull yourself towards yourself. You deserve this. It's two hours away from home. But you need to be away from your mother because my mom and I were just like, and it was partly an unhealthy relationship, but it was like, you need to dis- like individuate from your mother. Mm. Um, and you can't save her, actually, because it was mm. my mom's mental break- breakdown, basically. So that decision and her simply saying, and me making that call completely changed the trajectory of my life. Um, because it forced me to go to a completely, I mean, erodes, it's a small town thing, but a lot happens in terms of just all the growth that I did while I lived there. So I owe that to her and I owe, yeah, she, she keeps me grounded. And now she's like also on her own spiritual path. So we pray together and we talk about God together and we talk about all the mysteries and the things we don't understand. We talk about John O'Donohue. I can buy her book by Padre Gotuma and I know she's going to love it. Um, and we just, yeah, she keeps me, she keeps me grounded. She keeps you, you. She keeps me, me. She keeps mm. me accountable to myself. And I, I mean, Minsan Ogotigui, I think it was her birthday last year. And I said to her, you know, that line people always say, you know, we chose, we choose our mothers before we arrive. I was like, mm, I chose 
I saw Ati and I was like, which mother are you going to? <laughs> and I was like, okay, so that we could become sisters. So oh. that's my relationship with her. And it's like the best, 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 best gift I could have asked for. And she knows it. So, and my mom in a strange way. Yeah. I think that my mom in a sore spot because she didn't have many friends. Mm. And she disliked the fact that Ati had a lot of friends. Also, Ati turned on cool. Um, dislike the fact that so I try better to my nature me and it was this and which is why I had this awkward relationship because I was constantly trying to please my mother in a weird way. So I had awkward relationship with friends, but actually I was just like, Nope, sorry, you're not gonna separate me from my friends. So I bet because we're yeah. late yeah. Nick Happy has time to show me. <laughs> I mean the number of times that line went over and over in my childhood. So I had a very complicated well, that relationship. generation of our mothers is traumatized around a lot of them there's something that traumatized them in that generation where friendships on they saw friendships differently there's, mm. there, was, there was a lot of suspicion around mm. their kinds of friendships um um yeah even and, and what you're saying now also makes me think of my mom's two mainstays in her life who, yeah, are her people mm. for life. Every woman needs this. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, okay, tell me, where did you learn about friendship? I learned about friendship from my first friend, Anati Abaka. Uchoki. Uchoki. Oh my gosh. Uchoki was my first. No, she wasn't my first real friend. Ray Alexander was my first friend, and she's still a very good friend of mine. But Chogi was the first intimate friend mm. where we, I met her in standard three in grade five. Um, I had just arrived at Clarendon and I remember sitting um, on the same desk where we, we shared tables. Mm. There were six of us at a table and she was the only other black person. And she had this little afro and she was so greasy. Chogi was so black. She was so Oh, I love Chogi so much, guys. She had black hair. Oh, she was so cute. And she had, instead of two front teeth, she had one front tooth. And so every time she smiled, I would see this crazy and I'd be like, oh my God, this is hilarious. Is anyone else finding this hilarious? <laughs> and I remember she was the first black girl that whoever got braces at the school. Um, and we just became, I don't know, we just became friends. And we, I went, she came to sleep over at my house. Um, it was the first person I ever had come sleep over. And the deal, her mother said the deal was, if her little sister and then the mom also had to come and meet my parents and have dinner with them and so and her little sister and that was in 1995 and her mother and and my mom have become best friend best friends and my little sister and her little sister have become Aww. very very close friends and she is still that sister I'm in her family she's in my family and we would fight a lot. My my, I unfortunately learned how to register love or the presence of love and bonding through arguing. Mm. Very young, um, because my sister and I would argue all the time. That's the you know relationship I had with, and also being a middle child and not being heard and not being seen and trying to get people's attention. Um, I was a very argumentative person, and she. Um, had a, a, the tolerance for that, and she would also argue. And so, Chogi and I would do school projects together, go home together, go to church together, sleep at each other's houses all the time and fight just as much. We would fight. If 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 the first half of the day between 8 and 12, see Havana and everything's cool, by to, between 12 and 3, see Klaben, we fought about something and she's telling me off and I'm telling her off. And But when it comes to time to do a project and to pick a partner, I'm still going to pick her and she's still going to pick me. <laughs> and I she allowed me to understand how limitless, how vast the space of friendship mm. can be. And to this day, um, she's still somebody who can tell me my stuff without any fear, what or favor, whatsoever. She, so she knows me to the core and I know her. And of course, we've, our friendship is still kind of littered with difficulties at times um, because we've grown up and we've become different people. But she's taught me about how to respect somebody who fundamentally is so different and whose life path is so different from mine. She has given me space to be myself. She's mm -hmm. never judged me for, she's, she's questioned when she doesn't understand something, um, you know, giving me financial advice when she's been like, uh, you know, this is a bad decision. <laughs> um, 
So I learned about the rules of friendship, what you are meant to do inside a friendship, which is to love and to laugh hysterically and to and to cry and to clean together. We would clean a lot because if she comes to my house, if I'm going to her house, we do the same thing. And the 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 the, the relationship with with women with the, with the, that I have currently was very much um, based on the kind of friendship I had with her. And then my other friend also, Ubuyisa, mm. who is also um, my, my, my soulmate in so many different ways. Um, we, we have, we are sim- more similar. Uh, we, we are the same. In fact, it's her birthday on Monday. We're born like eight days apart. Um, and she's another one who, um, I'm funny to her. I love her because I, I know how to make her laugh. And she's always laughing hysterically at things that I say. And, She's really delighted and tickled by the good parts that I like about myself. And she sees the shadow, shadow side too. And we've had a very difficult year, a couple of years, mm. two years, me and her. And she's one of the people who, you know, we've had this conversation of, I have, you've hurt me in this way. She, she had to say that and I had to say it to her. And why our friendship will probably survive until we die is because of those moments where when it's time to laugh, we laugh. When it's t- I mean, most like most people, mm. but because it happened so recently we, we're recovering from the the shadow moments where we, we have to fight it out and we have to reconfigure or remind each other this is who i am now as i discover who i am i have to update her so that she can see and understand me differently and vice versa mm-hmm. um and so i learned it from these two very very significant friendships um and the third friendship is is with my older sister which is it's only emerging now, which is the best. It's the best. We we've grown up. We are now women. Now we are single. We we're sisters now, and we are finding a. Fr- it's a new friendship, and I'm very happy for it. So yeah, mine mine exists very much in the feminine space. Mm. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself in the process of making this podcast with me? Wow. Yo, so many things, Minnie. Um, I think the one thing I learned, and I didn't realize it, which is ironic because I grew up in debating and public speaking, and so my relationship with my voice has, it's like, one of my adjectives growing up was talkative. It was one of the first <laughs> few words I grew up spelling in all my primary prep school reports. Talk about how talkative I am. But I still had, I realized I still had some kind of, um, I'm so conscious of the fact that I am talkative. So in doing this podcast, I remember the first episode I listened to. In fact, it was after we had done the interview with Uzoya because we did it last year. And so we started listening to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, my voice. I sound so weird. Why do I sound like that? Um and so, like the what? What is that about? So I had to really think deeply about my relationship with putting myself out there. So this whole process—I mean, I've done radio interviews, I've done TV interviews, but this is different because mm. we're having a different kind of conversation about the deepest and most personal parts of ourselves. So I had to really just put my big girl panties on and just be like, "This is my voice. This is my thing." We tune you a lando. In fact, we tunyo How we tune in J? We tune you a white tail, but that difficulty, and I don't know why I was having that existential crisis about that. The second thing I learned about myself in this process is um, just like art as an art form. And I guess that's just been watching you and how pedantic you are about things that I don't even see. And when I recently, I was like, you know, maybe the next date that Millie and I have, because she hears things that I cannot hear. <laughs> and so, I mean, I've always known I'm a bit clumsy in other areas. And so it's been an invitation. And yeah, you know, so it's been an invitation to learn and not to be perfect patty all the time. So I don't know everything. Turns out, <laughs> which is great. And my whole, not whole identity, but like my work identity is built on I'm the knowledge producer, I'm the yeah, teacher, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know things, people ask me things, I'm the expert, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, in this place or in this space um, and this process, I'm learning 
I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about curating. Mm-hmm. I've been using this word a lot, curating, but now I'm actually seeing it in the way that you create your documentary and curate the processes, that the behind-the-scenes stuff of this podcast and the things that you get really touched about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm oh just like, do you want to know about that? So I've had to, yeah, that's been the process that like, where are the areas where I need to grow and allow myself to discover things about myself Mm. in the process. Mm. Yeah, you're a beautiful student. (laughs) Thank you. In life. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) And I guess that's been the part of the difficulty of the friendship. I'm just like, oh, Lord have mercy. (laughs) I know. I'm so afraid. I've just okayed something and Millie's going to come with like five extra edits. (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. And I know. I'm, yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's like the no, and it's good. It's no, also, it's the craft in, in, in though. The, the way our song is, I'm passe. I'm the bitch you love to hate. <laughs> because, yeah, that's the, and this process also has taught me that actually, Millie, how do you balance your bossy boots and your control and to, you need to be do some to produce something good quality of good quality mm. i'm really like it really hurts me when something could have been of good quality and then it doesn't and you know uh, yeah it's and that, that's it where that's where it comes from it mm. doesn't come from it's not personal it's just like mm. guys we can do better let's ensure that we do mm. better and it's very tricky when it when it, it comes to working with friends and mm. people that you legitimately love because i have to i have had to learn how do i convey this knowledge in a way that is patient, in a way that is kind, in a way that is going to ensure the survival of our relationship and our bond after this while, because I'm used to working with people that I can just tell, I'm being paid to just tell, mm. you know, they're yeah, director. Me, yeah, director. <laughs> yeah, director, you know, and so it's like, oh gosh, I've had to learn how to <laughs> a little bit and use more expansive, more kinder, more softer language in order to, but you can pick it up. Yesterday you picked it up. <laughs> the minute we left the studio, you were like, I can't out the door, I was like, oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and so, let me just engage. <laughs> and then my face doesn't hide mm. it. I, I try very hard, but I'm like, I'm, no, I, I don't like this thing and it must be expressed. But I get over it. As soon as the thing mm. is fixed, I don't hold on to, you know, grudges. It's not necessary. Um, so, so this process, I've learned that I'm not the most patient person and I would really, really, really like to, to learn how to be patient. And the other space that, that, has held our friendship is Lalela, mm. um, where I really have enjoyed. That's where I really got to know you, actually, to mm. be able to to have this trust of oh, this person. I want to co-think. I want to co-create this. Let's make the space together because at Lalela, during those balmy afternoons and the walks to the river and like the meditation sessions and the prayer sessions and the singing sessions, that's where I was like, oh my God, what a beautiful human being. And I want this person to be near me and I want to be near her and I want us to do this thing together. So that's... Yeah, it's it's. I've, I've learned I'm not patient, and and what I'm, and you are teaching me how to be a big sister. Oh, mm-hmm. although come on, I mean, I wrote you a whole love letter telling you how much I love you because you've been like this big sister over there, and now it's just like, oh my gosh, now we're working together. It's like the most bizarre thing for me, by the way, because like, yeah, I grew up like. And I didn't speak to you because we went to these weird schools where you don't speak to seniors. I know. Um, and I remember my sister and I just always just like going on and on about how cool you are. And then we'd Stop. like follow, we'd follow like literally like, oh my gosh, she's at Cosmo now. Have oh you seen? God. Oh my gosh, she started a shop. Have you seen? <laughs> and so I had to kind of help me keep tabs on you. And then... Then I moved to Joburg and I was completely like shocked out of my skull. I remember the first date we had was a place in town. I admired you so much for being a teacher. I was like, she has my dream job. <laughs> she gets to stand in front of young people and influence them. And I was like, you are perfectly suited for this job. Well done. Well, I remember that conversation. Was yeah. at the pizza place. I even remember what you were wearing, but now it's going to sound creepy. I even yes. remember that because I do that. I remember weird details about things. <laughs> you had just gotten your details. tattoo. Also, the one that's on your chest. I think it was like a week old or something. It was still very fresh. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was when we had office. I don't remember. So yeah. now that we're here, what do you want to build with this friendship? Senzan. And you mentioned it like co-creating and co-life. Yes, this is such a beautiful, beautiful question because I don't believe that relationships are just random. I don't believe that relationships are just spaces for us to... In the moment that we're in in our country and who we are, I really 
you, you will get the best of me if we're doing something together. And you and just chill and just like. Talk I mean, shit. we can do that at Lalela. We can't, yeah, but that's also structured. We're going to collect ourselves. We're going to wash ourselves. We're going to set intentions for the next year. So it, that friendship is those those that relaxing is happening within a contained, and mm. I, that's just the kind of person that I am. Mm. And so, um, I, I I want us to have more of this. I think it's going really well. From the, you know, it's this is exactly what I want. I we we get together to create something. Um, so that we will ha- leave a legacy and people will, will know. You know, when you, when you read your novel, when you read about the, you know, these American writers, Abo, Lorraine Hansberry, and James, James Baldwin, Baldwin and, being and, and being friends, mm. and, and, you know, how have these people influenced each other? You know, you the, the, the Dadaist and art, people have influenced each other. I want for people in 20, 50 years' time to, to know that me and you are friends and out of this friendship, this is what we said, uh, or this is what we didn't say. This is what we withheld within the space of a friendship. Mm. And then for us to to get to know each other um, through this creation, through this building, because I do believe that our, our generational cause, um, our role in our, in our country is to um, create new ways of seeing, new mm. ways of being, new ways of understanding and expanding this notion of blackness. Um, and and being and Ubuntu and and womanhood and what does it mean in the 21st century? Is it still relevant mm. to hold on to the to the gender construct as it is? And so, I this is how I live my life. This is my mission in the world is to is to live with a role. And so, my what I have with you and what I would really love for for us to to continue building on is leaving stuff behind. You know, and and you know. The most recent conversation we had was about creating systems and creating, you know, being frustrated at the fact that there are so many things that the previous generation did not leave behind for us to mm. to inherit. And how do why why are we always starting from scratch? In terms when we get to offices, when we get to spaces, why does it feel like hey, you know, there's nothing that's been left behind? There is. They've they've done stuff, but this formal handover, though, this formal saying, step into this world. We also have to create these systems, or that's that's the point we find ourselves in right now. But according to that have been written or said or done, but we have to make them in a way that suits us and who we are and how protean our our experiences of of life in South Africa in the twenty first century are. And so I the aquasba when I can hope that that in better la up and this is congwane dimasba atambele was a nigga meal. Or you are that kind of friend that I know you in my heart and in my life and in my practical in my WhatsApp group, you are that person in Gazum Tuma. Now is a Gazum Tuma. because we have to, you know, we have these wonderful ideas about what it means to be alive right now and I know that you are one of those people I can build with. Hmm. Um and so you are in that trusted space of people that I know about, oh, she gets it. You've been part of my healing circle. Um Bogela, Lalela, this, mm. um, which is the work that people don't see. Um, and I guess it's the, the thing of like umanyano, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. where our mothers go and hide and then babu yabena So I guess you've been creating spaces for me where I can be that. So there's a lot of behind the scenes work or private work that you've been a part of, the conversations. So that's been something I really want to grow because that's another part. It's difficult. Not all my friendships are like that. I've got a few friendships where I can talk about spiritual connections, about dreams, about imagination, about the vastness of this thing. Um, and I've loved every moment and I, that I want to hold on to. So while we're building, because the building is kind of like the public life, mm-hmm. the stuff that we do, the mm-hmm. human doing, which is important for where we are at right now. Um, but for me, it's also about the building of the human being, constantly cultivating that conversation about our heart lives and mm. our internal lives, which I absolutely love. Um, that I can say to you, and you know exactly what I yeah. mean. Or I can say, I need you to pray for me, and I know that you will. That I can say, you know, I had this dream, and I don't know what it means. Um, that's been so important for me. Or when. I needed a circle of women and you were creating that work where women can heal together, um, which was what we did last year. So that I want to just like, so 
because you you've UNESCO, I guess, of curating that in a way, um, which is, is is so important for I guess our both our spiritual journeys. So for me, and I think we we spoke about this about this idea of if we're going to be doing all this work and building, what is the spiritual practice that we mm, need mm. in order to be able to sustain that work? And you're one of the people that keeps me conscious about the kind of spiritual practice that I need to cultivate in order to show up in the world. Because I don't think we can do the things that we want to do without a spiritual practice. I, for, at least yeah. for me, I don't think I can do some of the things that I imagine, even the things that I'm doing right now that, that just keep me the integrity of what we're trying to do in check. And so it's the, it's the other work um, that we seldom bring to the fore, that we seldom talk about in a way. So yeah. I really love that. You've helped me discover that, actually. And you keep reminding me of it with these short little lines that you say that we laugh at, but actually, when you said love is coming for everything, every, everything I, I wrote that in my journal and I was like, I need to keep coming to this back to this line because that is the truth. You have helped me change my relationship to love and made, it, made me see the strength of love. Because we we tend we have this tendency in the world where we think it's weakness. Mm. It's just like the way Zoya came and just twisted forgiveness. Yeah, bro. You know, mm. but but you specifically in that article that you wrote about love um, in the Mail and Guardian, what was it last year? Last sometime, year. Mm. That helped me also in the same way that you've helped me emerge out of the bushes and and out of you know having a shame about having a spiritual life. We are better in that term. <laughs> and I'm like, in that in that regard, and I like it. I'm like, yeah, you've helped me kind of reclaim the power of love in politics, in the mm. thing that we're doing. And you're mm. helping me understand that. And I'm, I'm very, yeah, you remind me of it all. The, just just your being. You have a, I, I trust you a lot. Um, and we don't know each other very well, as well as other people know me. And I don't know you as well. I mean, I don't know the details, um, which is I'm getting used to. I want to learn more, but so far, all the things that I really look for in other humans, that integrity, the trust, the and the honesty. I mean, you surprise me too sometimes. But like, it cuts <laughs> at meetings where you just like say, and I'm like, wow, she said it. Thank you. That's a new thing, by the way. I, I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> um, and also, I just wanted to, this is now I'm shy now to admit this or to kind of, you gave me Ikulo. <laughs> and you made me Umdu in that moment. I sit privately with Elakulo. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to sing those songs. But I read the language and I sing the two songs that I do know over and over and over. And um and I get to out. sing with you. You're also my favorite person <laughs> to sing with. A bit Jopik, which is nice. So thank it you. It's cool. Mm. Which part of my being responds to a call in you? Hmm. Which part of your being responds to the call in me? So I think part of your being is being this creative person. And I've constantly, not constantly, I've had a difficult relationship with my own identity as a creative being. Mostly because... I grew up coloring within the lines. And you do so well. You're like the perfect model of someone who colors outside the lines and it's beautiful. So, yeah, it's been... And so I use the word curator, but I'm starting to engage with this idea of me being a creative as well. So the poetry, the right, and the fact that you love my writing so oh God, much. <laughs> Even when you write links, I'm just like, oh, that was a beautiful link. She wrote it really well. <laughs> so it's just really it's it's um that's the calling in me of like leaning into that part of myself and not being afraid of being a creative. And I don't know why I am so afraid of it. Um, and your outfits every time we ne? come to the studio. I'm Hello, like, this, this is girl. me leaning in. Yeah, it's this working. is me leaning in. And I guess I mean so the the thing with the clothes, it's it's a strange relationship because someone else I had a conversation about some this with someone else and it's about, and I'm actually going to read something what, that it's about. So in Kulele, mm. my grandmother, 
uko indaktor Emma Beleni dressmakers that my mother and her sisters and my grandmother started. So this whole thing and that's for me I mean it's the same thing that um in search of our mother's gardens Alice Walker talks about is that one of the ways in which black women have found their creativity and have withheld their creativity and the sanity of it all because maybe they weren't allowed to do other things is either through creating quilts and I think ekaya it was umtungo inzimbi my mom taught me how to ukhlohla um and all those things so i guess for me the the this part of being a creative is um this poem from ejioma omebinyo questions for adam and it's poem number 3 We are writing for our mothers' mothers and their mothers. We are writing for our daughters and the daughters of our daughters. We are writing for our ancestors and generations to come. So, yeah, so I guess that's what you're calling out, this kind of writing and creating and not being afraid of leaving something behind because you really, yeah, I mean, the documentary that you do, the work that you've done at M&G, um, has you just do it with like it's like je you know like okay, this is what i'm doing no i mean i don't see that work obviously yeah. behind the scenes but when you show up in the world you it looks not so much it looks effortless because i know the kind of work that goes into creative but you're just so ready to this is my work and you own that this is my work um and that's so being privy to that journey of your creative process is what's yen to tezela for me it's you are such a soft gentle egg and you're the youngest and you you are very soft well that's how I see you mm-hmm. and you want you make me want to take out my soft gloves to approach to speak you make me want to be softer and I am quite a hardcore person and I know that I have to be careful because I do have a yearning to be soft deeply to be gentle to be dinga bekhabaxa you know mm-hmm. um because I'm like hardcore and let's get things done da, 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 da. and you know being near you in this last couple of months has has really res- made me want to approach that part in me um and i think it's it's a beautiful overture for me personally mm. because it allows me to also enter this idea of love this doorway of love differently um mm. because i'm used to tough love i'm a tough love kind of girl and so this softening and it's also affecting what i think i deserve in terms of a partner and other friendships um because we exist as also i mean maybe this is a deep generalization but as closer people we are known as those hardcore people who are loud yeah, get to say and and we you know mm. and we i have stepped into that identity and there's a there's a part of it that that does ring true but there's also people like you who are closer who are madaba lula milayo lula milo atambi really i think so sure I think God, so. Is use that word to describe me. Thank I you. think so. Um, that's how I see you anyway. And so th- th- that desire in me, um, it comes out when I'm around you. Um, and also laughing. Lots of that. Lots of laughing. <laughs> like I used to that I know that only you <laughs> will get. Okay. Sometimes I use words that I just know, but this one is just for you. <laughs> I'm my mother's daughter. <laughs> yeah. Where does God sit in this friendship? God is right at the center. Um I don't think this question not this this friendship would exist without God. Um Yeah, right at the center. And I have a few friendships like this and they just completely ground me. Yeah. Um Yeah, the fact that I know when I call, like I was actually thinking, hmm, lots of thoughts. Um who would i go to war with if there was a war and i don't mean that in a metaphorical sense but if there were five people and i guess i have gone to battle yeah with people and you were part of the people who i went to battle with yeah um yeah i have five people that i know i could i can battle with and you're definitely one of them because on the piwe oh yeah i don't know how i've said that right yeah i feel like you the piwe the piwe god gave me yeah. you to me 
So, yeah, God is at the center of it. And I guess if we ever lost that, oh. the friendship would evolve in a different way. It wouldn't exist in the way that it does. That's and true. I think we'd lose something. So I like that God is at the center. Yeah, you've, as I've said, you've, re, you've reintroduced me in the ways in which you remix God's in places where I thought, I know it doesn't belong, you know. Um, and so you 100%, I think, I think I, I don't have much more to add to that. Um, and also, I think this conversation actually is making me want to water or give a little bit more water to the to what kind of friend am I? You know, what does it feel like when to be on the other end of the phone with me, uh, to hear me speak, to be, you know, in, in Can I tell relationship. You? No. Through a poem. Ima, I'm gonna Ima, tell you. Wait, let me just let me just before 'cause I'm I'm this this is coming up now. It you you know, this conversation and you and the ability for us to have this conversation is making me see where I need to pour more water in terms of how I relate to other human beings and how much I need my friends. Um, I'm quite a solitary person at the best of times and I have friendships where it's just you and I'm not part of a group. I've never been part of a group or a, a squad. I don't have a squad. I'm mm -hmm. friends with one person there and another person there and I have many beautiful friendships with people around the world where it's instant. It's like, yes, we are soulmates. We found each other. But it makes for very difficult maintenance. And so seeing, I also have to figure out how do I see Atambila outside of the studio, outside mm. of the planning of this. That's still coming. Mm -hmm. How is our, you know, when we break and we pause for at the end of season one, what is that going to look like? How am I going to keep having you in my in my days? And I'm not good at doing that, kind of keeping up and, you know, witnessing the detail of someone every day. Mm -hmm. I want that. And so I think this conversation that we, we have around our spirituality is going to be the, the way in which I approach that and become a better friend to you um, and to my other friends, which I, I'm not always, you know, good, not always this person that other people see on the mm. outside. Not, I'm not bad, I'm not evil or whatever, but the attention. Um, this other friend of mine said, um, proximity is a matter of attention. Mm. So you don't have to be near someone um, or see them often. It's just how much attention do you give them. Mm. Yeah. What I did want to read to you, and it's going to be the last thing I say. Poem number four, still from Questions for Ada, because this book is amazing. You call me sister, not because you are my blood, but because you understand the kind of tragedies we have both endured to come back into loving ourselves again and again. Omoya uh, uh, uh. on African Spirituality is a Kaya FM podcast created by Atambila Masola and Milusutando Bongela. Together with our producer, Gakhusom Nisi, the executive producer, Ngabagazimanzi, and our editors, Spaman Layende and Gakhusom Shabangu. And our theme song is titled Tuli Mama by Tabang Tabane from his 2018 album, Machale. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us on umoya at kayafm.co.za for any questions, comments, or general feedback. Otherwise, follow Kaya FM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. New episodes out every second Thursday. Oh,